0: This is Karen Kelly, and you're listening to An Appetite for Life. There's a great mix on this show, just various topics, amazing guests, and the occasional celebrity guests. So I am delighted to be joined today by Bobby Newman. He's an addiction interventionist. Certified Drug Prevention Professional and Substance Abuse Counselor. So welcome, Bobby. It's really great to have you on the show.
1: Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. I'm glad to be but, here.
0: So, Bobby, that's, it's such a great introduction, an addiction interventionist, Certified Drug Prevention Professional and, and Substance Abuse Counselor. You've clearly got a story yourself. So tell us a bit about yourself and how you got into, into this industry.
1: Well... I grew up in a very small town in Oklahoma, which is way over here in the United States, in the middle of the United States, and it's a state just above Texas, just for for folks who are not that familiar with it, but anyway, I grew up in a very, very small town of a few hundred people, very, very Christian uh, area, you know, geographical area, and, um, you know, but... Uh, claim to fame is the movie footloose i don't know yep. if you guys have seen it. movie footloose was based on events that happened in my hometown oh wow in 1980 um and you know the the school dance and that's true a lot of the things in the movie weren't true but you know there was a ban on dancing and things like that but there was a high rate of ki- kids that were drinking and uh you know in high school and, and a lot of you know unfortunately deaths that happened yeah Catholic, it was quite quite a lot and anyway um you know the that happened that, but the mentality and the christian background and the religious background was very heavy but you know it was very confusing because you know drinking seemed to be okay it, it's like now hard drugs was a problem didn't do hard drugs. not that many kids did hard drugs in that area but uh, there were a few but mostly but a lot of kids were drinking and they turned
0: to alcohol was it was it because it was cheaper
1: a cheaper option I think it was just more socially acceptable. Yeah. You know, honestly. And, you know, and, and, you know, you didn't have to, there was an age limit. I mean, you had supposed to be at the time, 18 years old, but you know, you didn't have to, you know, you always had friends or a sister or a cousin or somebody, I mean, not my sisters, but somebody's family member that would, or a friend that would buy, you, you know, get you what you needed. But, um, you know, then it, from there, it went on from, uh, to, from alcohol to marijuana and then when I went to college to play football, it went to amphetamines. And uh, there was a, a prescription amphetamine that I would get from some, uh, from another player. But um, And I remember it made me feel so good. I was like, wow, where's this stuff been? And I, and I started doing it more and more frequently. And then it just got it turned into an addiction. But alcohol- what, do you
0: call, what do you call frequently, Bobby? How often?
1: Well, I would say when I started, alcohol was quite often and marijuana was quite very frequently. I mean, it was almost like, kind of like a just, just a thing you did I mean yeah what, so every time there, you'd
0: light up a cigarette you would be lighting up a you'd be smoking marijuana
1: yeah let's go get high let's go do the you know we got a few free minutes. I mean after practice football practice we'd go out and drink beer um but you know uh speed it got it to where I would do it one time a week uh you know I would get a capsule uh and I would break it in half and I could take the capsule and drink go out and drink on like on a Thursday night was the night that all the college kids went out and And so I could go out and drink, not get too drunk. I would take the amphetamines. And then the next day I would wake up and take the rest of the pill. And, you know, I just would always feel good. I was like, this is great. I mean, how old,
0: how old were you, Bobby, at the time?
1: 18, uh, 19 years old. So
0: so. that's a really delicate age, isn't it? When you need to be thinking, what am I going to do in my life? Where's my career going to go? You're probably at college and thinking you're going to go to university. And were you aware that this was addiction at that point?
1: no 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 i would have thought told you at the time that i asked nah, no big deal i can stop any anytime yeah. i want to i'm just doing this for the kicks you know to have a great good time and you know i would have thought i did you know and, and even years later when i was in a lot of trouble i mean i had like probably about well seven or eight years later i had i was in a lot of legal trouble i had trouble in like two or two different states for four different things going on at the same time and I would have and it was all related to substance abuse and I would have told you oh I don't have a problem I could stop anytime I want did you ever try to stop but you couldn't I did try to stop at one point like in uh, a few years later uh, I tried to stop drinking alcohol so much so frequently but I tried to stop doing it by smoking marijuana
0: yeah so yeah (laughs) not quite the answer is it
1: no it's ridiculous
0: and can I ask you what sort of criminal activity you were involved in as a result of taking the drugs
1: well it was primarily dealing drugs uh you know to try to support my habit and then it got to where you know obviously well not obviously but things like drinking and driving and um and then you know again dealing drugs um I never really got into you know stealing or anything um but uh there was a certain amount uh, later on when I was heavily heavily addicted I mean you know I was obviously addicted but I I I always felt like I could stop at any moment years later I was trying to stop and I couldn't yeah Uh, but I got into doing things that you know such as stealing and things to support my habit um and then
0: it uh, took for you to maybe you were faced with a federal prison sentence weren't you
1: Yeah, I was actually working, um, and you know, was stupid enough to drive onto a military base with a loaded gun and with oh
0: my goodness
1: drugs, and got pulled over, and you know, got charged. You know, but I was smart enough to walk into a federal courthouse and and negotiate seven years and three hundred thousand in fines down to about two weeks in jail and about um, yeah twenty five hundred dollars in fines without an attorney. I was smart enough to be able to manipulate the court systems by that time. I knew how they worked and what they wanted to see and do. So I was able to manipulate that in my favor, but then yet I was so heavily addicted I could not get past the, the probation. They put me on probation for 6 months and I had to follow some guidelines and you know pass drug tests and show up for, you know, proceedings and things and I would always either not show up, I'd I failed a couple of my drug tests and then they they're like okay now we're gonna go back to the original sentence of seven years and and uh putting you in in several hundred thousand in fines if you do this one more time and so So that was a
0: wake-up call for you
1: yeah but it still it wasn't enough I still was like right up to the point of like I was gonna take the drug test the next day and my and and, and I was gonna fail it and that was gonna be that was going to be it they'd already been told one more time that's it you're going and I so I I still you thought that would have been enough to you would think that was enough to make me stop using but it wasn't I I I lasted I don't know about you know right up but as far as I could I called my dad I said I knew I was going to have a drug test the next day and I said look I, I need to do something so we were able to you know go in and manipulate this you know kind of go in and out you know we went into rehab and luckily the people the court system allowed me to stay in rehab because it was a long-term program they thought well if he's kind of like you know putting himself in you know kind of help trying to help himself if he stays in there then we don't have to put him in jail
0: I mean in one way you were lucky because there's so many that will go down the route of having to go to jail then it's, a, it's an even deeper spiral isn't it yeah, 'll come out so, take more drugs and and reoffend
1: yeah if I had not have taken that step at that moment I would have ended up in jail and I would have not it would I don't know I wouldn't be here right now I would be who knows what would happen because the yeah. people who are in jail are uh you know i i anyway, it just wouldn't have been good <laughs> no.
0: and it must have been really tough on your family um did they try and help you prior to it getting to the stage of Defense. going going yeah. to prison did they try yeah. and help you in other rehab centers or it must have been terrible for them
1: well yeah it was terrible for them and and you know they had tried to help me they would always you know do things like you know I would get thrown in jail they would bail me out of jail or I'd yeah. if I left the vehicle they would make sure that I had a vehicle to drive and it was constantly what we call cleaning up the mess. And, uh, uh, you know, it wasn't until they actually came out and, you know, they started talking about going to you know get some help going into a treatment program. And I thought, well, at the time I, I, I thought, well, I don't really have any faith that I, there's people out there that could help me that really know what I'm going through. Um, so I wasn't too keen. And I saw a lot of my friends go into treatment, come out, relapse immediately.
0: Yeah. And, I thought, and you point? thought that'd be you
1: yeah and i thought well you know what's the point if that's all they have I, I i really i can't see myself you know having much success and and luckily they were my sister was able to find a program that was focused on health first and then counseling second which i i kind of i i gravitated towards that because i had been you know i played football and like to be physically healthy I, you know even though i wasn't i like to you know i like to think i wanted to be and um
0: and how so, long was it, Bobby, before while you were in rehab? How long did it take for you to maybe be clear and you, or you could think clearly and you knew you didn't want to reoffend and you didn't want to take any more drugs again?
1: I was probably there about two, two and a half months before that's, I thought that's me. really
0: good, actually, isn't it? That's really good. I thought you were going to say about two and a half years.
1: Well, I well, I was actually two and a half months before I could start thinking clearly. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm I was with Within the program, close to four months. Yeah, but I, I had some significant changes uh, with myself. And, you know, I, I uh, you know, you just become a person that you never thought you would be. And yeah. you know, guilt is a big factor. There's three. The three major barriers are, you know, to achieving recovery are you know uh, cravings, overcoming the cravings, you know, depression and anxiety, or and then the third thing is guilt and when the guilt comes to you know and 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 flashes itself in front of you and you're like oh my gosh and you realize what you've done and what you've been doing and you go it's and then if you can handle that and you can relieve yourself of that burden yeah then you experience relief and that was for me what happened i was like oh my gosh i obviously have to take responsibility for my actions but I feel so much better because I've unburdened myself that I can now realize, okay, where well, I can think clearer and feel better. And I like, Oh, I've actually turned the corner.
0: Yeah. Cause I, yeah.
1: I, I see it's like, Oh, I did. It's like having a major headache or something. And then you, all of a sudden the headache goes away and you're like, Oh, I feel so much better. Yeah. But and you never want to go back to that. So And I
0: can imagine when you were say 18. So when this first started for you and you first started on this path, What ambitions did you have then? Did you know what you wanted to do as a career?
1: No, that was, see, that's the kicker right there. Is that you you look at kids, if you ask them today, what do you want to do with your life? And they don't have an answer. No. That kid's probably going to be in trouble.
0: Yeah. I mean, not everybody knows, but they've got some sort of a guide or some sort of an idea what subjects they like. But once you've gone down that kind of route, that's all forgotten about, isn't it? And I wondered, did you soon get back on that path?
1: I I did, but the truth is I really didn't know for sure what I wanted to do. I know what I thought I wanted to do. I thought about wanting to be a coach or I wanted to be a physical therapist, you know, and I was kind of like just, you know, going through life and going, okay, I don't know. I can't really sink my teeth into anything. And that's where, when bad decisions come along, bad opportunities come along and you take it, you, 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 you go that direction or where if you see somebody who's, you know what? I'm gonna. You know, they've made their mind up, and they they have intention of accomplishing something. They're more than likely. They're not gonna let. They're less likely to let something distract them from that. But yeah. you're right. With your with your question is that you can somebody can be on a path. They're gonna go like, you know, I want to be a doctor. I want to be, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, I want to be an Olympic athlete, or I want to be, I want to work at the fire station. Uh, whatever it might be. Um, and then they get injured or they have a traumatic event happen to them and then they turn to drugs for whatever reason and then the drugs become a problem you know it 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 could take them off that given course yeah yeah. so anyway I I don't want to I could go into that
0: I know it's so interesting isn't it it really is (laughs) but what I did want to ask you Bobby was during your years in rehab What did you discover about yourself and why, you know, why you may have fallen down such a destructive road in the first place?
1: I discovered for myself that I, um, you know, obviously it had things happen to me that were not optimum growing up. But me hanging on to those things, you know, was my own decision.
0: Yeah and the demons aren't they we've all got demons
1: yeah yeah we all have things that have happened that are you know we could hang our hat on and go you know what this happened to me you know and um but for me to allow that to continue to burden me is now my responsibility i have to learn to 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 deal with it and move on and look for tomorrow and what's tomorrow going to be like you know and so when i was able to learn how to and, and at the end of the day most people you know Will feel responsible for that, whatever that might have been. Even though they might have been victimized somehow, um, they feel responsible. What did I do to cause that? And you have to learn how to live with it. And ha- you know, and then not be continue to be a victim because victims, uh, uh, even though you can be victimized, you continue to live as a victim. Then you're never, you know, they really never win anything.
0: Right? Yeah. You,
1: know, you can anyway. I, I hope that makes sense and it doesn't come across. From,
0: no, no, it, it definitely does make sense. And another question I wanted to ask: that what is treatment like? I mean, of course, we've all seen various films. I remember watching um, Benny's Back with Julia Roberts and a street cat named Bob. I'm not sure if you've seen those two films. There's, I, I, I know we have older films uh, like Train Spotting around drugs, but more recently you've got those two films about addiction. Um, wow. So, what what's treatment like? What was it like for you? Well, what was the worst part for you?
1: The worst part for me was confronting my own, what you call, well, you know, demons or the things that yeah, I had done facing wrong. them in facing the face fears you, that, guilt that comes fat flashing in the face. And you're like, oh, my gosh. Um, but it was like for me, I, I looked around when I first walked onto the program that I went to and I listened to the people that were on the program. I listened and I, I heard laughter and I heard I saw people. They seemed to be happy. They seem to be glad to be there yeah uh, okay and then i talked to a couple of them and i thought i could like these people i you know it doesn't seem to be like an institution it was and for me it was almost like going back to college only you know you're going to school to learn something about your life you know so
0: every day school yeah. day isn't it and you must have learned yeah. so much from those other individuals as well and yeah. seeing like you say seeing them laughing seeing their success that there is a light at the end of the tunnel i'm going to go for that i'm going to go down that road
1: yeah exactly there the, these folks have done it a lot of the staff members had been there and done it and they seemed happy they looked they were very you know ex, executive type people you know and i grew up in a you know um, grew up on a you know i don't know what the correct construction work i was a construction worker metal worker and also grew up on a farm you know i was come from that labor uh heavy labor background uh but these guys were like more executive type folks yeah. that i I was interested in that uh, yeah it was a level of you know and they but they'd also been right where i was at matter of fact i was in there from with some people one guy was a stockbroker from wall street and another guy was a owned his own law firm from Michigan. And he was like, had several attorneys that worked for him. And we were all right there together. It used to give me a hard time because they called me a country boy from Oklahoma. And <laughs> so it was funny because I was laughing at them and going, well, you know, it's funny. We all, ended up, we, whatever we did, we all ended up in the same place. So <laughs>
0: exactly. And this is just it with addiction.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, it doesn't just choose a certain type of person, does it? It's everybody. No one can escape yeah. it. But it's amazing how one individual will be addicted to something and another won't.
1: You know, that's an interesting point because I had a friend of mine that I had when I lived, I had an opportunity to live in Hawaii for about 10 years and that's how miraculous my life has changed. I went, I did live in Hawaii for about 10 years and, and uh, I had a neighbor that was in the military and he was very career driven, very family oriented guy. But on the weekends he would, you know, he would have the barbecue and they would have, you know, bring out, out the alcohol and he would drink excessively and, Matter of fact, he even asked me one day, he said, um, he asked if I had an alcohol problem. And I said, well, when you put all your, you know, your family and your career in one hand and alcohol in the other, and you choose the alcohol, then you obviously have a problem. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. The
1: people that can't, that pass that threshold and they can't, you know, they've already passed the point of not be, being able to make that decision.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. But well, we're just going to take a short break and we'll be back in a few minutes time. I was going to give a shout out to my fabulous sponsors. Let me introduce our sponsor, Everything Genetic Limited, specialists in preventative healthcare testing, helping people to identify to see if they are at risk of developing common hereditary cancers and heart conditions. Based in Nantwich Cheshire, they partner with some of the UK's market-leading laboratories, supplying revolutionary genetic tests to healthcare providers and patients For the detection diagnosis and treatment planning of cancer heart disease and other illnesses one of their main aims is to democratize genetic testing meaning everyone can take control of their own well-being and health care to detect any problems at an early stage when they are most treatable They also offer a COVID testing service, which is on the government list, initially launched to support clinical partners who were unable to get patients in during the pandemic. This service enables patients to come back into clinics to resume all important cancer testing and is available through over 200 partner companies. They offer a comprehensive range of coronavirus COVID-19 test kits and services for individuals, healthcare providers and employers. For more information, visit their website, everythinggeneticlimited.co.uk. So, welcome back, where we're talking to Bobby Newman, addiction interventionist, certified drug prevention professional, and substance abuse counsellor. So, welcome back, Bobby. So, we've been talking about obviously addiction, your time in rehab. Let's talk about 10 things parents need to know about drugs especially in 2022 what can you tell us
1: i can tell you know that's a very interesting uh question you know i hear all the time he's just smoking marijuana
0: he's just yeah
1: it's not just marijuana and you know it's not just marijuana back in the day you always hear what's it's more potent now it is more potent and actually i've seen more more young people today have are completely psychotic and all they're testing for is marijuana i mean all they're testing positive for is marijuana now uh, and the potency of the marijuana is significantly higher, even the ones that, you know, even the marijuana you get out of the dispensaries, but also, you know, now they're also taking this wax and they're, they're pulling the oil, the THC out of the plant. And it's like 97 to hundred percent pure THC. And they're putting it in vape pens and smoking it that way. So it's a very concentrated form of THC that will cause and can cause uh, psychosis. So marijuana, it's not just marijuana anymore. It's got, there's pesticides on it. It's highly more, it's highly addictive. And, you know, it, it, it's causing psycho- psychosis in kids. The younger they start, you know, the the, the more likely that they are to develop other uh, mental emotional issues. Two is kids are buying their drugs off the social media. So please keep an eye on um, fentanyl. It, it, it's running rampant across the country and it kills instantly. Please be on the lookout.
0: What's um, fentanyl, Bobby? What is that? How are you spelling that?
1: Fentanyl is F-E-N-T-Y-N-A-L. And what, where, cool.
0: where are kids getting that from? And what, and what would it normally treat?
1: It normally treats pain. It's a pain medication that they use in hospitals for acute chronic like high you know pain that you have like during surgery it's like the it's the most potent painkiller that they have
0: wow okay so that's fentanyl
1: yeah a little speck of it is enough to kill somebody
0: wow so, wow okay
1: powder cocaine number 2 ecstasy mdma is right behind that then you have ketamine and then you have amphetamine and there's right?
0: different variations though as well different mixes isn't there that are really really the killers aren't they
1: yeah i mean and people are mixing these things i mean they i was looking at the statistics and i and i was like you know powder cocaine is is you know and then you get opioids i i thought maybe opioids would be up there but uh there, it's actually you know marijuana powder cocaine ecstasy ketamine amphetamine and then If you want me to go back and list these out, I can, but that's number eight, as far as the 10 things. Right. And then on number nine, as far as what parents need to know, it's never too soon to do an intervention on your child or your loved one. It's always too late.
0: Right. Right. So if they've got got any suspicion whatsoever, they need to intervene straight away.
1: They need to intervene and they need to try to set the course straight. They need to, you know, either talk to somebody, get some guidance, it's not an easy thing to do to handle your kids on drugs. I had my thirty-year-old when he was fifteen. I had to handle him, and I, I do this for a living. I've done it hundreds, if not thousands, of times. When it came to my own son, I had to consult somebody to help me because of my emotions were p- making my decisions for me.
0: Yeah. So
1: I had to have somebody coaching me, you know. Yeah. Um, and so it's never too soon to intervene. It's always too late. You know, we wait till something tragic happens, yes, and then we try the trouble, to
0: isn't it? Yeah.
1: So let's head it off. Let's prevent that from happening. Um, The number ten is an intervention is going to happen if your child is on the path of making bad decisions and he's hanging around people that are also making bad decisions. It's not like they're not, you know. It's it's like you know my grandmother used to tell me, "You are who you run with." and If that your your son or daughter has a bunch of friends that are you're you're kind of sketchy, guess what? There's an agreement somewhere with that group of people, right? It's it
0: must be really difficult though to to. You know, pull that child away from that group because they won't see it, will they?
1: Yeah, they, they won't see it. I used to, I didn't see it years ago. I did not see yeah. it. I mean, I, I look around my, but they would make comments and I'm like, ah, that's not true. And, you know, and it's, you know, and you'd be able to set out and look and see where, where are the, your friends headed? You know, where are your friends? If you, if you get in a bind, are your friends going to help you out? Are they going to be able to help you out? What type of character? are these people i mean it, yeah. it, it, i look back at that now it's so simple have <laughs> <If> they got <laughs> your back yes or no yeah, yeah yeah even if they do have my back would they be able to help me do yeah. they have the means that you know that type of thing so um
0: so can we just talk about club drugs i know we've mentioned um 10 10 things parents need to know and what drugs are involved in that what kind of drugs are going around clubs at the moment
1: well, that that's a great question. I mean, I be honest, it's, ketamine is one, you know, and then MDMA, which is ecstasy, you know, these are heavy, heavy drugs. And many uh,
0: teenagers have died, haven't they, taken ecstasy?
1: Yes, yes. You know, their 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 um, blood pressure goes up, their body overheats, and they, you know, become dehydrated, and you know, it's 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 just so toxic. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a you know, and and you know, the thing of it is, is that kids. You know, if you go to tell your kids that you're going to die if you do drugs, to them, it's like, it's not a real statement. And because the first time they see their friends doing drugs, they're going to be, you know, having fun, laughing. And, you know, that's for me, I was like, oh, that doesn't seem to be too bad. And so I started. I became very curious at that point, and and I wanted to try it. So I always give them the information of this is how it goes. You'll see. Yeah. Well, you you know,
0: know, don't you? You've got hands-on experience, haven't you? So let's talk about uh, all the work that you do. So there's the rehab center, a revolving door, and how to close it with remote sober coaching. So is this part of what you're offering on your courses?
1: Yes, I well, my I do courses on um, intervention. Also do courses on, you know, I have, I work with people via zoom and things like that with sober coaching and we work with them to help them understand the barriers to achieving recovery. This is after somebody has basically fallen off into the pit, how to get them out of the pit yeah. and we teach, you know, help them overcome the barriers, which would be the primary barriers to achieving permanent recovery are create, overcoming the cravings because yeah,
0: the detox side, well, it's painful, isn't it?
1: Yes. Yes, it is. Yes.
0: And what sort of symptoms do people go through during the detox?
1: Well, like with opioids, you're going to become extremely sick. You're going to be, you're going to have uh, cramps. You're going to have headaches. You're going to have nausea. You're going to, you know, it has the exact opposite effect that you have when the person is under the influence of the drug. Like, you know, the person is going to be numb They're going to, when they're on the drugs, they're going to be numb. They're going to be very lethargic on opioids. That is, they're going to be what they call nod off, meaning fall asleep, you know, fall asleep in the gravy when you come over for for Thanksgiving dinner. You know, So it has the opposite effect when you start when the drug, when you start coming off the drug, then you, you start feeling the pain, you know, because it numbs you. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of pain, nausea, headaches. You can't sleep. It's just you're like having the worst case of flu that you can imagine magnified by about 10.
0: And how long does that detox period last? Is it days? Is it weeks?
1: It, could, it just depends. Like with, uh, you know, heroin or, or opioids, generally, it's about seven, five to seven days.
0: Yeah. And that's horrendous to go through, isn't it? You can under, well, you can't understand it, but you could sort of see why they start, de, you know, taking drugs again, because it will all go away.
1: Right. Exactly. Yep. And then, you know, drugs like methadone, which is a synthetic, a synthetic uh, opioid, it, it takes about, it could take 20, 20 to 30 days, you know, or longer. Wow. so for the withdrawal symptoms to go away. Now, cocaine and methamphetamine or amphetamines and stimulants, you really feel very lethargic, you know, when you, a stimulant will make you have a lot of energy or, you know, you'll be awake a lot and you'll be kind of, you know, well, it has the exact opposite, opposite effect when you're coming off of it. You're going to want to sleep a lot. You're going to crave a lot of sugar. You're going to want to, all you're going to want to do is eat and sleep for probably three to four days. And then before you can come back to normal, right? Yeah, so
0: once, so once they've got past that detox section area, if you like, of the recovery and the kind yeah. of is it a withdrawal then.
1: Right. It is your body goes through a withdrawal, and it goes through what they call a toxic shock. In other words, it doesn't have that substance that it's used to having, and it goes into a, a kind of a a shock. To, Gosh, uh, yeah.
0: wow! You don't realize the the treatment sounds like torture, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, and, and that's what people people don't want to go through. That they, you know, their brain has basically been short circuited, and and their body is going through all these cravings and you know if your your body is in a stimulus response system and it gets used to operating off of that substance and then when it doesn't have it anymore it just automatically craves it. it's like you know it's it's and i could go into that that's a whole nother talk but it's 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 quite severe and people don't realize yeah what they're what that's kind of like the hidden thing behind the scenes that's going on it's driving the addiction that people don't realize
0: yeah yeah Oh, Bobby, it's been great talking to you today. It's such a, it's an interesting subject because so many people are obviously affected by drugs or alcohol, any sort of addiction. And um, I admire anyone that can come through the other side and, and live a normal life and have a career and put it behind them just like you have. So for our listeners, how can they get in touch with you if anybody knows someone, a family member, maybe suffers something similar to you and they need help? or if they want to look, look at your courses, how, how can they get in touch?
1: They can go to, um, we. I have a couple of websites, Interventions.com, which is N-E-W-M-A-N interventions.com. Uh, they can call me at 866-989-4499. Uh, and we also have a life coaching program for people that have uh, have tried treat or, or completed a treatment program and are now trying to get back on track with the rest of their life. It's called Angel Life Coaches. They can go to angellifecoaches.org or they go to newmaninterventions.com.
0: Yes, yeah, ma'am. wonderful. Oh, well, I wish you all the best with your courses and uh, you never know our paths might cross again.
1: Yes, ma'am. I, I would definitely enjoy that.
0: You've been listening to my podcast, Appetite for Life, also supported by sponsor, Dane Bank House Dental Practice, where happiness starts with a smile. Would you like to be a guest on this show? Or maybe you're interested in a sponsorship package. For any further information, you can find me across various social media platforms as Karen Kelly Podcasts, or send me an email, karenindakelly at btinternet.com.